welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. I am always so excited to be able to be back with you, to talk with you, to help you, to kind of give you some perspectives on fatherhood, because Every dad's experience is a little bit different. I say that all the time, but it's true. And that's why I do this podcast is because I want to make sure that you understand that the way that you father is not going to be the way that your neighbor fathers is not going to be the way that your father fathered you. But it is important for you to hear different perspectives, learn from other perspectives and grow from other perspectives. And we're going to do that again today. Today, Shannon Carpenter is with me and Shannon and I go way back. We've been talking about fatherhood for quite some time, and uh, we met a number of years back at the Dad 2.0 conference. I've mentioned that conference before, but it's a great conference that's out there for people that are just really passionate about being fathers. And Shannon and I chatted and, and got to know each other there, and he's got a brand new book that's going to be coming out called The Ultimate Stay-at-Home Dad, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit down the road. But we always start, first and foremost, about talking about fatherhood, but first and foremost, Shannon, it's great to have you here today. Glad to be here, man. I love this podcast. This is cool. I'm ready to have a good time. Well, I'm glad that you're here as well. And as I said, we always start this show with some questions to delve a little bit deeper into you as a dad, because as I said, every father's journey is a little bit different. So I want to turn the clock back in time. I want you to think back, because I know you have one daughter and you have two sons. But think back to that that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. What was going through your head? The first moment I found out a father to the daughter was the day she was born. We didn't find out the sex of the baby. And I didn't know. And we had two different sets of names that we wrote up on the nursery. So I didn't know if I was going to have a Genevieve or a Henry. That's where I was at. And then, you know, she comes out and I'm right there and she's got gross stuff all over because, you know, that's just part of birth. And they tell me I have a daughter. And it's such a surreal moment. You know, that everything changes truly in that moment. You think you're ready for it and then it happens and then you're like, "Uh oh, (laughs) you know, and so that was the moment that was just like, wow. And it just kind of made me grow up a little bit. I think, you know, that I'm, I'm responsible for this. I've got a teacher, I've got a shower and that's a big, that's a big thing. It is a big thing, and it's not always an easy thing, especially when sometimes when you have children, you're a little bit of a kid yourself, and maybe you're still a little bit of a kid right now, <laughs> and you're trying to figure it out as we go along because there's no manual. There's no manual nope. for fatherhood. You can read as many books as you want. You can talk to as many dads as you want, but a lot of times it really just falls down to what you do and how yeah. you either fail, succeed, or somewhere in between. You know, every time you have it figured out and you feel really comfortable, they grow and change. It's that quick. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I got this. And now it's on something else. And you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So yeah, that's exactly, that's a great way to put it, Chris. It is. Now, I know that throughout the years, your daughter is 15. So you've had some memorable experiences that you've shared with her. What would you say has been the most memorable experience that you've been able to share with her? You know, that, that's a tough one because we, I've made it a point to make these memories. Because for me, you know, being there with my kids, those are the memories that are going to take them through life. 
You know, it's more than a paycheck. It's it's more than those other things. It's it's those moments that they're going to remember. So if I'm going to pick one, you know, it's going to it's going to be what I call the dad's trip. And it's where we get my dad's group gets together, five dads. We take 16 kids out and we just pick a direction and go. And on that trip, we've been doing that since she was about four. And she's 15 now, and we actually did it this year as well. And we see the goofiest, stupidest stuff. You know, the world's biggest ball of twine, the world's biggest pair of overalls. Like, that's a thing, right? Over the world's biggest pair of overalls is a thing. And it's not about that destination. It truly is about the journey. I know that's the cliche, but it's on that trip that we create these just huge memories, these fun and weird things. And sometimes the trips go really smooth, and sometimes there's a a disaster. Like, I think one year my daughter brought flip-flops that broke, and she got really upset about that when we were hiking. And I told her not to wear them while she was hiking, and she was like 11. And there was a big meltdown there. And another time, I think, oh, the most biggest time is my car broke down. It was spitting white smoke. And mentally, I was just not prepared to deal with that and all the kids. But luckily, I had my other dads around me. But then there's these, these amazing good memories. We, we hand-fed buffalo um, from the back of a covered wagon at this no-name place up in South Dakota, for example. Um, we took a, a haunted cave tour in a bass boat. And the the ceiling was so low, we had to lay in each other's laps for like 100 yards. And these things sound silly and they sound goofy, but those are the memories my kids go back to and that I go back to when things get hard. So, you know, those kind of memories, yeah, that's that's what I want to build. That's what's important to me, you know? Those sound like amazing memories. And, you know, it would be interesting to have your 15-year-old here to be able to say to her, okay, what of all of these things that your dad has done with you – What's been your most favorite moment? And, and and if you have never asked her that, I encourage you to ask her that because that would be an opportunity for her to give you some feedback about see if see if what you said and what she said match. You know, I actually have asked her that. I asked her that. I said, what's your favorite memory that we've done on the dad's trip? And she always comes back to the actual time on the road in the cars. And it's the weirdest thing, right? I wouldn't think it would be because, you know, we've played baseball on the field of dreams with nuns of all people, right? Like that's a big memory that sticks out to me. But no, she remembers the time that she spends with me and her friends in the cars because they're they're 16 kids and they've grown up together since they were like four, three, four years old. And when we take the trip, all the kids just switch cars until they have their little groups together. And those are her favorite memories. Like I legit have like asked her that and that's what she always comes back to. Sometimes it is those small moments, yeah. those moments that you think, oh, this isn't anything big, but it's the opportunity that they see or they've, they've had to be able to connect yes. and to make those connections and to have those conversations that to you, it's throwaway. It's just kind of like, ah, you yeah. know, it's just one of those things. But, but to them, it meant so much. So asking those questions and being present and being able to listen and hear even though it may not match you, is so important in that regard. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I know that when you're thrown into being a dad, especially a dad to a daughter, sometimes there's some fears, some fears that go along with that. What would you say was your biggest fear or is your biggest fear in raising a daughter today? Well, at at the beginning, I can tell you exactly what it was at the beginning, is I thought I was a rough and tumble guy, you know? And I worried that I would be too hard on my daughter, that I didn't know how to deal with a girl. You know, I didn't, I was worried that I didn't know how to connect with her. That truly was my fear. And 
that quickly worked itself out. I mean, once your daughter has you, she has you and it's just over, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that's, that's no big deal. And that was my first fear. The fear that I have now as a father now, it's been just the pride of my life to see her grow into a woman, like a true woman and take control of herself and her decisions. And my fear now is to make sure that she's not afraid of the world and that she knows that she truly can become anything she wants to be, that nothing can hold her back. Because as I think as a woman, from my perspective, she's going to get told no a lot or why she can't do something. And I've, I've made it a little bit of my mission to make sure that that doesn't happen, that she doesn't have that mindset of that she can't do something because she's a girl. I hate the phrase. So yeah, I think that's one of my bigger fears that at least I've, I've tried to prepare her for. Now there's fears and then as you go along in life and you and your you and your daughter are connecting, disconnecting, challenging each other in different ways. Sometimes it's yes. hard. Sometimes it's just challenging <laughs> in general to raise kids, but then also to raise a daughter. What would you say has been the hardest part in raising a daughter? So the hardest part truly for me for being a daughter, as as she has grown, I've been there every step of the way, like most of us are, right? Is learning when to start to let go. It's not a natural thing for me. I'm the man. I'm, I'm dad. I'm the guy, right? And to see her assert herself has been wonderful and scary and has caused conflict within us. And to, to give you an example, she played cello, and for a long time she did this. And then I was getting on to her about her homework and staying up on the homework, and she didn't want to play cello anymore. And she told me that, and I was like, okay, you don't have to play cello, but you have to do your homework. And we went back and forth, and the whole time she's talking with her teacher about a way to get her homework done in a way that is more beneficial to her and the teacher without me. Like there was a whole other conversation going on there. So it was important for me to learn to, to back off a little bit, know that she knew the consequences of what she wanted to do, but then let her make the decisions for it too. give her a chance to fail or succeed. And it's hard for me to back up. I get that I can be overbearing. I'm just one of those guys. And I don't mean to be, I'm loud, I know it, but sometimes I need to shut up and let her be her. <laughs> I think that's the challenge right now. Sometimes it's hard to just sit back and to be. And, you know, one piece of advice that someone gave me on the podcast was a woman that works with fathers from across the nation. And one of the things that she kind of talked about as she talk, reflected on her own experience with her own father was the fact that young women don't want you to solve their problems. Yeah. That's the fact that they want you to hear and listen and simply be and be willing to and to w be willing to just be there. And one of the things that she said to me, and I've said this to uh, all of you that are listening today, uh, you know, I've said this before, but she said that when you have conversations with your daughters as they're getting older, one way to go about it is to say, as you're entering into these discussions, these conversations is, is this a solving conversation or is this a listening conversation? Because it gives them the ability to be able to say, I don't want you to solve anything. And sometimes probably we could probably use that with our own uh, significant others as well. I think so. And be able to say the same things to them. They'd probably be like, who are you? Are you Dr. <laughs> Phil? You know, who you been listening to? 
Where'd you come from? I know. It is. But yeah, I mean, those type of being able to understand that. And I know for me, that was one thing that I've had to really learn. And I have to continue to learn because it's not just a one-time thing mm-hmm. that we have to be able to understand that our brains or a lot of men's brains are pre-programmed to say, hey, I got to solve this problem. I've got to jump in there. I got to be the person to be able to help make this happen. Exactly. And a lot of times that's not what they want. And a lot of times it's not what they need. I think that's the big part. It's, it's not what they need. Because you're right. It's it's We're hardwired to get that done. You know, when people come to dad, they come to dad. And I'm so geared for the fight, like all the time, right? It's just part of my nature. I'm like, let's fix it. Let's do it. Let's get it. And sometimes I just need to shut up. I think it's very good advice, Chris. It's, yeah, when to listen. I think that's what I need to work on more as a dad now. Because for the past 15, 13 years or whatever I've been a stay-at-home dad, it has been that problem solver. It has been that go-to guy. And I need to give them a chance to solve their own problems and fail or succeed on their own. Now, you just mentioned the fact that you've been a stay-at-home father for quite some time, which makes sense with the book that you yep. that you wrote. <laughs> So tell me the journey. Tell me the the decision that was made for you to be a stay-at-home dad and what that meant to you. So at the time, my daughter was about 15 months old. And like I said, she just changed everything. It was just different. And I realized that I was getting up and going to work, taking her to daycare and coming home, putting her to bed. And my, that's what my wife and I were doing. And it, it seemed to be in a rut. And we had a, my second child coming, my son, in a couple months. And so my wife and I sat down. And I said, I think someone should stay home. Uh, this is not the life that I want for us. And she agreed, and we talked about it. And never in my mind did it, did it occur to me that I would be the one to stay home. It was, you know, this is 2008. Just didn't think about it. And so we talked about it, and we looked at money and, and careers. And at the time, I was an elder abuse investigator for the state of Texas. And my wife was in advertising. And I looked at it, and her career track financially just made more sense than mine did. You know, it's government work on my end. So I joked, I said, well, maybe it should be me. And then I let that statement kind of hang in the air and I was like, oh crap, it should be me, you know? (laughs) And I was like, this is what I need to do. And then I thought about it for a couple more days and I didn't know any stay-at-home dads, but the more I thought about it, the more excited I got about being able to be there for my daughter. And truthfully, I thought I would be better at it than my wife would be. I'm a self-starter. I'm, I'm pretty confident. I can make things happen on my own and I'm good with that. And so within a week later, we made the decision that I was going to stay home. And so we waited till my son was born. And I can tell you the exact date, January 1st, 2008, I became a stay-at-home dad full-time and best decision ever made. Absolutely. No regrets whatsoever. So as you've gone through this, you have, you've now had an opportunity to actually write about being a stay-at-home dad and creating that manual that we were talking about that doesn't exist for the ultimate stay-at-home dad. So talk to me about this book, how it came to be, and what you're hoping that people are going to take away from the book. So, you know, it goes back to our other conversation. You start and you don't know what you're going to do, right? And there's so much of dad advice that you get out there just as a dad that just makes no sense. It's like, you know, tough it out and win one for the Gipper, things that actually don't make sense. And I'm like, I need to know how to change a diaper when there's no changing table. That's what I need to know. Dads are practical. Like in the very, we're not, we're, we can be sentimental at times, sure, but mostly we're very practical that want to know how to get things done and get the job done. And 
the books and the and the advice out there for the most part just didn't exist, especially for stay at home dads. You know, like how do you take the three AM feeding? How do you make that easy? Well, we all know now it's a skill though that you learn. And so I started the book as a memoir. Just a, I, I write humor mostly, and my editor said, "Why don't you add advice?" And I said, "Okay, well, how much?" And he said, "All of it." And so I just wrote a new book. And then I thought about it. And I looked around. And I was like, we can do better. We we got a lot of dads that can do that. So I started interviewing other dads, 57 in total, and got their best hack, their best tip on how to raise kids. Because even then, all the books just stop at like, you know, the kids, you're old, you don't have to do anything anymore. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not going to work. And so that is how the book came about, that I wanted practical actionable advice, the things that I needed, not just as a stay-at-home dad, but just plain as a dad, you know, and that's what I put in that book. Like, how do you go out with your kid? What do you put in your diaper bag? You know, where do you even go? There's better things to do than library story times. I mean, they're great, but there's better things to do. And so I wanted to give dads a resource and basically their own kind of dad's group to get that done. And that's what this book is about, about getting it done. So talk to me about how you were identified as being this expert and being the person that they that Penguin wanted to write this book and how this actual book came to be. So that's that's a good question because you know it, it's kind of scary when you go through the publishing process and it, the first you write what's called a proposal and it's it's basically you know this is what the book's going to be about and my first shot at that was very business, 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 right? It was like, you know, this many stay-at-home dads and this is what kids need to learn. And my editor and my agent at the time, they got to pitch it to the higher-ups in Penguin. And they're like, stop it. Just be you. And I said, okay, (laughs) I'll be me. And so the second proposal to win them over was me and my voice. I was making jokes. I was making fun of things. I was swearing left and right. And I showed the passion. And this is what they told me. I showed the passion of what I do and for fatherhood as like mom is not an obstacle. The baby is not in the way of my golf game. I want to be here. And most of us do want to be here. So quit treating us like crap and let us be here, you know, back up. We got this. And that was how the book came to be. That was the argument that they believed in. And so they took this on and my team at Penguin, the the editors, the copy editors and my marketing team and my publicity person, they're so on board with the message. Like they believe in this and that makes me feel fantastic. So now this book is coming out in October. Uh And I know that you've had an opportunity to be able to get it to where it is now, but now comes where the rubber meets the road, right? Yes. Where you're going to be actually getting it out there. And you're talking to me, but I know you're talking to other people too. But um, so so what is your hope for this book? You're birthing a new, something new into the world here. (laughs) So tell me about that. I have two answers. I have the joke answer. People like, you know, what do you hope for the book? I'm like, to send my kids to college. That's what I want to do. Because that's what people want to hear, right? But when you write a book, especially a book that is so connected about fatherhood, right? Which is my identity. Here's the truth. Here's the honest guy truth. I want to help one guy. I know it sounds goofy, but I want that one guy who doesn't know what he's doing, who's afraid that is dealing with either, you know, physical issues of how do I do stuff to how do I protect my mental health? I want that one guy to pick it up, to read it and connect. I know it's so small compared to when we think about books, but it's not to me. It's something I've done for years and years and years in my own dad's group. You take that one guy out to the bar and you give him help because you've been through it, you know. 
I've done the cleaning and the cooking and all that stuff and, and how to organize all that with the kids. And I've dealt with mental health, health issues, you know, like anxiety and stuff. And how do you deal with that as your kids grow older? And so I've taken those guys out and, and talked to them about that and helped them. And that's what I really hope for this, that one guy, you know, I, it's hard for me to think any bigger than that one guy. That's what's in my head. Well, that's amazing. And I think that I commend you for that because I think that all of us, when we're going into fatherhood, we we look to others to try to yeah. give us some perspective. But then at the same time, men are not always the best for asking for help. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> so that being said, having a book that not only pokes a little bit of fun at yep. what fatherhood sure. is or can be, but at the same time gives some really good practical advice is definitely something that will help dads to be yeah. better dads. So I commend you on that. Thank you. And I really hope so. You know, that's the true the hope that that just picks it up and you can do everything you want to do. This month, our podcasts are sponsored by our gender equity workshops that we're having. In our workshops, we'll focus on how to be an emotionally courageous dad through practices of self-regulation and strategies for emotionally connecting with your kids. We'll invite all of you to recognize and try to avoid gender traps in our relationships that may or may not reinforce the ways children see household chores. Most importantly, our colleague Joseph Sato will host a workshop on allyship that looks at the intersection of race and gender and the ways in which we as dads can be allies for women and especially women of color in our communities. As you go through this month, we invite you to sit and reflect on ways in which gender plays out in your life. How has being a man and a father given you advantages that you may never have recognized before? How will your children, especially daughters and children who identify as trans, walk through life differently than you? How can you, as their provider, protector, and parent, advocate for them and change systems that may have caused harm for them into systems that can help them thrive. I look forward to seeing you in our workshops this month. For more information, go to fatheringtogether.org forward slash gender dash equity dash workshops. We always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. I love talking about dad stuff all day. <laughs> so in one word, what is fatherhood? Joy. Now, when was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? <laughs> when I learned how to change her diaper and then wiping from front to back. Like, that was a thing for me because <laughs> I had never dealt with that before. Yeah. I was like, woohoo. <laughs> I figured it out. And if you said that to her now, her eyes would probably go way back in her head like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, She's going to hear this podcast and go, Dad. I'm like, well, they asked me a question, honey. <laughs> now, if I was to talk to your kids today, how would they describe you as a dad? Loud. I don't even have to think about that one. <laughs> they tell me about that all the time. Apparently, I'm loud and a loud extrovert. <laughs> You? Really? Yeah, it, it happens. See, this is why I'm good for the role, though. <laughs> now, who inspires you to be a better dad? For me, it started with my own father. Yeah, my own father and my grandfather. I was lucky enough to have two very strong men in my life that put family first. And they were as tough as nails, right? They both fought in wars. My dad in Vietnam, my grandfather in World War II. And when I told him I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad, I've never seen him more supportive than that. And everything that I do, I ask myself, what would they think? Yeah, absolutely. That's who inspires me. And I think those personal inspirations th that you make those connections are important in the, in the world of fatherhood, big time. 
Now, you've given different pieces of advice here today, but in leaving today, what's one piece of advice you want to make sure that everyone knows? Something I heard that I was told a while ago that I kind of live by now is risk ambitious failure. If you're going to fail, fail big and then celebrate that failure. And that that goes with with parenting and, and everything else that I do because you're going to fail all the time as a dad. It's just part of the road. And don't beat yourself up on it, but actually take that experience, learn from it, and be happy that you had it. You know, I've I've goofed a ton. You know, I've made a spectacle of myself by accident. The kids have been too loud or I didn't know what I was doing. And we learn from it. And in my family, that's one of the things that we all do together is we fail together and we we celebrate those failures. Failing hard, definitely not always something that you want to do, but definitely something that will happen and something that you're going to have to just bounce back from along the way. And sometimes you have to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you don't fail, if you're not risking it, then you're risking nothing. And then you're not going to grow. And I hope that's what my kids see. They're going to fall on their face. But hopefully I've created the memories that will that will build them back up. That's what I've tried to do. Anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've created some amazing memories for them, things that they will remember for mm-hmm. years to come. You know, even and uh, that that ball of twine is going to be cemented in their head, no matter where they go. I hope so, because there's actually more than one ball of twine. I've seen two of the three. So there you go. <laughs> Now, I mentioned that this book is coming out in October, but if people want to find out more about the book or about you, where should they go? ShannonCarpenterAuthor.com is my website, and you'll get a best of list. If you like dad satire and parenting satire, it's there, plus how to order the book and where to find it. It drops October 12th, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, Hossman at Home. That's usually what I call myself. I also do another podcast, uh, Dad House, which is just stay-at-home dads talking about being a dad. You know, it's just the experiences. So any of those places, come find me. Come chat. I always like chatting. Well, Shannon, it's been great to have you on to talk to you today about fatherhood. I wish you all the best as this book goes out and you birth your new book out into the world. And just, you know, just like we, you know, when we have our children and and that's a whole new journey, you're going to be on a whole new journey now. So I I totally encourage everyone to go check out the Ultimate Stay at Home Dad book by Shannon Carpenter. It is going to not only be have some humor in it, but it's going to have some practical stuff as well that you're going to be able to take away and learn from. And it's going to be a ton of fun. So Shannon, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it, Chris. Thank you, man. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. 
land is full of tiny screaming passengers. We spend the time, we give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A game, 'cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.